How you guys doing? Good? First of all, I just wanted to say, again, thanks so much for really just welcoming in. And it's honestly felt like I've been here for, for years, but it's really only been a couple months. So thank you for being so hospitable and loving to me and really treating me like family. So I really appreciate that, especially you, Wes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but today, we, we are in Hebrews again. So uh, this book has been really so, so glorious. We have seen how the writer of Hebrews has really highlighted some of these themes in the Old Testament and how Jesus actually fulfills these. Um, and we really see how Jesus is the greatest hope. So that's kind of where I'm trying to go today. And we will, uh, yeah, we will be exploring this together. So I have a question for you guys. Who here has had their trust broken before? Probably most of us, right? So there's this, this personal story I would like to share with you guys. So um, there, were, there were a couple friends that I was hanging out with um, in my early 20s. Uh, and, and I really trusted them to, to bring me support and really come through for me. Uh, so we grew closer in relationship, and this enabled me to trust them more. But this is where the story gets worse. When I actually needed their support in different areas, after they said they'd be there for me, they actually did not come through. Um, I don't really want to go into all the details, but um, when they said they would come through, they ended up not coming through. So that really hurt me, and that uh, kind of made it hard for me to trust people. So it, it took years to rebuild that again. But I put hope and confidence in them, but they let, them uh, they let me down. They did not keep their word. People let us down, right? As we are, we're humans, we, we all fall short, right? We are, we are sinful beings. Um, but even there's a new example. Who has uh, Roger's phone plan? <laughs> exactly. So. Same, same with Interact Debit. So, so we have these things that we trust and rely on, but, well, if we put too much trust in them, they will inevitably lead us down, right? But can anyone relate to my story of this, this trust, whether it's in the past or, or recently? Uh, but where we'll be exploring today is, is, well, God, God never lets us down. Jesus never lets us down. He is trustworthy and and that's kind of the big idea that I'll be exploring. He is trustworthy, and this is what enables Christians to have hope and persevere in their faith. So turn with me or swipe to me, uh, swipe with me the Hebrews 16, uh, verses 13 to 20. And we are going to process this together and just see how, how God speaks to us. Because whenever we're reading this word. It's God speaking to us in the present, right? It's not dead words. So let's read this together. Thanks for clicking along with me. I appreciate it. The certainty of God's promise. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, 
I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear. To the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Isn't that just a beautiful word, right? This is oh, it's, it's so good. So, this is what we're going to be exploring. God is trustworthy, right? So, this is the first point I would like to uh, explore together. God is trustworthy because he fulfills his promises. And this is found in verses 13 uh, through 15. So, what was the promise he fulfilled? Well, the writer of Hebrews is building on from his previous statement of inheriting the promise that Christians that hold fast to Christ, who cling to Christ, uh, become inheritors of the promise. But this promise was threefold, um, and it really drives the redemptive storyline of the Bible. We, we see this in the garden, and uh, we have this present reality and a future hope. But first, of the three... Uh, Part of the promise is that he would give them a land. This is the promised land which we see the Israelites walking into in Joshua. So that's the first part of the, the promise. Second, that Abraham would receive an offspring. And this is seen through the miraculous birth of his son Isaac because Sarah wasn't able to conceive of a child. So it had to be by God alone. But then we also see from that promise how Israel grew and grew to the 12 tribes with many different families. And third, this is uh, a further expansion of the blessing. And we see this, this implication from choosing uh, the Jews, but then now today, right, the gospel going to all nations. And, and we see this continued promise today. God is bringing people, he's calling people to himself. So we can really see the trustworthiness of God right here in scripture, in history, in our common day-to-day. -day. So the verse that is in reference here, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants, is uh, found in Genesis twenty-two seventeen, And uh, the words are pretty much the same. Uh, but this promise was initially uh, first mentioned in Genesis 12. So as Abraham was journeying, he could see this promise being fulfilled gradually in his life and with those around him. 
but how should we respond to this? And even hearing from my story, it's hard to trust people, right, when we have been let down. Like, it's, it's hard. That's, that's just the reality. But here, we really see God fulfilling his promise many years later from when it was spoken. So we can have confidence in God. We can build our life on that promise because, well, we see it in Scripture. We see it in history, and it is in the foundations of history. So now I want to focus on uh, the verse 15. It says, And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. So we see later in Hebrews in uh, chapter 11 how that's kind of, it's called the hall of faith. So all of these Bible heroes, even though, well, they all fell short, but it, the writer is using them as case studies to really show how they trusted God and were able to hold fast on, on their walk when there's so much uncertainty in life. So therefore here, the writer of Hebrews interjects to bring up his testimony so that we can be imitators of him. It's, it's to encourage us. The writer of Hebrews loves to do this. He encourages us and then convicts and then encourages and convicts. So this is one of the encouraging sections. So, and some context, the uh, Near East, like the, the Israelites really looked up to Abraham. So to see him um, waiting patiently to receive the promise, to have faith and obedience, would really spur them on because, well, they looked up to him. But what's important is faith and obedience go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. And Diedrich Bonhoeffer really goes on about that um, in, in his book. But... How God works is it's not out of being good enough. It's first, I have redeemed you. I have saved you. Now, because of that, this is how we live. And we see that in Exodus with the Ten Commandments, right? I led you out of the wilderness. Now, because of this, go. And those Ten Commandments were to bring life because he does care for us. Now, Abraham had faith in the Lord. First in that he believed God could give him a child, even though his wife Sarah couldn't conceive. And this life had to be from God alone. Even to the point where he believed that God could raise his son from the dead. And, and we see that when God asked him to offer Isaac. And we see that faith was credited as righteousness. So he had so much faith in God that even if Isaac did die, that God would raise him from the dead. So it's, it's honestly admirable to be able to look up to that. But also, when he was asked to leave his homeland, that would take a lot of faith as well, right? Because for them, their whole life was built around their home. Their family was there, their worship center was there, their life, because they were all self-sustaining. But to... To leave that would really take a lot of trust, a lot of faith. So the writer wants to inspire us to continue to trust God, even with, with, with the uncertainty that we see. And 
the, uh, one of the words I want to highlight also found in verse 15 is he waited patiently. And I want that to sink in so we can reflect on that. But what that implies is that there is a journey involved. It took quite a while for the promise given to be fulfilled in Abraham's life. And it was not an easy journey all the time. They were suffering along the way. Just like in our lives, they're suffering. But Abraham still trusted God's word. But a question you may ask, what fueled his patience? Well, his faith was established in the word of God. As Don was mentioning earlier in the prayer time, right? This is the word that guides our life. It's what feeds us. It's what nourishes us. But also throughout his journey, he could see God's hand um, over his life. So, for example, when he uh, was visiting Egypt and then when they took Sarah, God inflicted a plague on Pharaoh's household. So there, there's God's sovereign hand of protection. Also the birth of Isaac, that's, that was only by God, right? Because she was, she was really old, so she wasn't able to conceive. But also appearing to Abram in the vision in Genesis 15. And, and there he says, do not be afraid. I will be your shield. So when God says something, it does come to pass. We even see this in creation. He says, let there be life. And there's life. So... Although the journey of life was not easy for Abraham, and it's not easy for us always today, but God was trustworthy through it all. God is the ultimate keeper of his word. So what we can understand from this first aspect is God is trustworthy because of his promise fulfilled to Abraham. But now it's continued today in history and today. And then we'll move into the second point. Are you able to? <laughs> ah, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> so God is trustworthy because of his unchanging nature. So this is seen in the next chunk of scripture, 16 and 19. And in 13. So 13 says, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by except himself. And then in 16, people swear by someone greater than themselves. And the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear. To the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul firm and secure. So the first, I guess, attribute, there's so many attributes of God that I want to, uh, that scripture attests to, but the strongest security is, is God himself and his sovereignty. Since he is the greatest being of all, he always existed. There's no one greater than him. 
he was able to remain accountable to himself, within himself. He swore an oath to himself. Isn't that interesting? Because we see even when people say they want to fulfill a promise, they always go to a higher power, right? Like even in your life today, I, if someone says that, they're like, oh, I swear on, on God, right? So he swears by himself. But we also see his omnipotence. So he's sovereign, and there's one, one thing to just say, oh, I'm going to do this. But he does have the power to fulfill it. Right? There's, there's one thing to say something, but when he says something, he comes through. He is all-powerful. And I'm sure we've all experienced, right, at a time when someone had told us something or promised something and didn't follow through. Well, God has the power to accomplish what he says. Before the foundations of the world, he already orchestrated history to achieve redemption for us. And so that his glory may go out through all the earth. And he continues today to call people to himself through, through his life-giving power. But also we see his, his power referenced in Isaiah. He's the Lord of hosts. He's the one who commands the armies. This is the God whom we serve. He's glorious. So we have his omnipotence and sovereignty. But more, uh, I, I kind of want to dwell more on on the sovereignty aspect because um, it's, it's just really important. It's one of those key, key attributes that really guide scripture. So the sovereignty is seen throughout the whole Bible. The unchanging purpose of his redemptive plan and the two unchangeable things, which, which it says here in, in our section. Now, despite Satan and other evil beings working against God, and his chosen people. He has always been in control of history. Does that not give you confidence, church? Yeah. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen. Good. You guys are still tracking. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> but there's, there's a key scripture I would like to highlight in Acts 4.27. And it's honestly one of my favorite verses that I reference so much, and it really testifies to God's sovereignty. But this is kind of a paraphrase. Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the people, conspired against God's holy servant, Jesus. But they did this, what God's power had decided beforehand. So even though in their will they were acting against God, he already had he, he, he already gave up Jesus before the foundations of the world. And we see that in history. That is our God we serve. He is sovereign. He is the God of history. And there's an, another verse just popped in my mind, right? The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. There's, there's another key, key phrase that the writer brings up here. And it says, God cannot lie. And it's important to highlight because, because of his nature, he is holy. He is set apart from his creation, making him morally perfect. He is unable to sin. 
and that includes lying. Isn't that awesome? He is unchangeable. While humanity changes from day to day, sometimes I can be grumpy. Uh, (laughs) Carrie might be able to testify to that. (laughs) Um, But God stays the same, so we always can rely. We always can trust what he says comes true. Is that not awesome? He cannot do any action which is against his character. And the writer of Hebrews then picks kind of this this unchanging nature aspect again as he says, Jesus is the same and forever. It's good. That's a a good verse to have memorized there. (laughs) But this last last phrase I want to highlight is uh, the word anchor, and it's found in verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. So let's, let's process together this word anchor. So, what does an anchor do? Holds fast. What else? Yeah. I'm looking for one more. Beautiful. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. So, so this anchor, and Scripture loves to paint images in our head, right? So, so this anchor, I, I want us to think on what an anchor does. So thanks for engaging with me. This anchor keeps us from drifting. This is what gives, gives the boat that, that firm grounding, right? Without an anchor, then a ship would just get blown to and fro from the wind. If we don't have an anchor, we get blown with these uncertainties in life, right? Life is just so, so uncertain. The writer of Hebrews wants us to picture where our trust and secure, our trust and security should lie. Not in man, but on God, in his character and word. That is our anchor. Now this anchor which is referenced here is his heavenly throne. It is uh, referenced earlier in Hebrews uh, chapter 4 verse 16. But most commentators are unanimous on seeing this theme as well. So when you think of a throne, what do you think of? King? Ruler. Yeah. So... We are anchored by his, his sovereignty, his reign and rule. He is in control. And this hope is the security for our soul. And this metaphor is used to highlight that spiritual reality. Now, all of these items which have been woven throughout this epistle thus far are to solidify that God is trustworthy. In this unpredictable world, with all that is going on, with war, famine, natural disasters, God's throne is that anchor to which we need to cling to. This is our only hope that we have. But now you may ask, well, how do we cling to this throne? Good thing scripture tells us. (laughs) This is only possible 
through Jesus and his work. That's how we are able to go into God's presence, how we're able to go behind the curtain. And that leads to my third, third point. I don't think, thank you. I don't think this clicker is working, so I'm just going to put it down. <laughs> Sorry? Okay. <laughs> so, what is the work that Jesus accomplished? Well, he, he is our high priest, which was mentioned in chapter 5, is kind of where it's brought up, but we'll see next week how this theme of Jesus being the high priest is further expanded upon. Now that phrase, the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, is an important one. And it's so, so very important. Once a year, the high priest in the Old Testament, on the Day of Atonement, would make sacrifice on behalf of all of Israel. So this was only once a year. And your ordinary priests couldn't go in. It was only the high priest. Now, Christ, as our great high priest, did that once and for all. By the giving of his life. He is that spotless lamb that enables us to be in God's presence. We see this, this promise all throughout scripture. That God says, I will be your God. You will be my people. I will dwell among you. Isn't that awesome? We're, we're able to be in the presence of God. It's, it's glorious. And what we saw in, in Genesis with Adam is, well, because of, of sin, because they didn't trust God, that was severed. But Jesus brings us back. He restores us in, in relationship with God. And we're in this tension, right? This isn't already, but not yet reality. One day, we'll be with them forever. What could be more glorious than that? So we, we already highlighted the inner sanctuary. Now I want to highlight the word as the forerunner. And this is another key phrase. When I think of forerunner, I think of a race. It's, it, it has implications for, for a journey. So we see Jesus going ahead of us. The priests in the Old Testament could not lead others into God's physical presence. Only the high priest was able to go based on Levitical law. And this is found in Leviticus 16. So I encourage all you uh, church to, to read it because as we're going through this section, um, it really drives the point home of, of Jesus' work as that spotless lamb, the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. And this day in Leviticus foreshadows Christ as our high priest, as our ultimate sacrifice. Now other words in Hebrews are used, like pioneer. And this is referenced in 2.10, but also in 3.1 and 4.14. Jesus is the first fruits which brings in the further harvest. That's us. We're the further harvest. Uh, in other places, he is the chief cornerstone, which the other stones are built upon. We can build our life on that foundation, the anchor. He makes a way when there is no way. So, 
our trust we can put in Jesus as he advocates for us. He is always interceding for us to God the Father. And this is our safeguard as our great high priest. And he is able to present us holy and blameless to God. That's the hope we can cling to. For there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, as Paul says in Romans. This is the present and future hope. God is trustworthy because of Jesus. He fulfilled his word by sending Jesus. And this further confirms. So the last section here, um, where it says he has become a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, I want us to shelf that, and that'll be next week's sermon. So that's a little uh, spoiler for next week, because there's, there's a lot to talk about. Now, what should we do with this knowledge? Because I'm, I'm a big believer that our orthodoxy, so what we learn, leads to changing how we live, our orthopraxy. But we see we live in this tension of the already not yet reality. God fulfilled his promise to Abraham through Christ. But that promise of making a people for himself still continues today as many are coming to faith and being restored to relationship. That's what the promise was. It's salvation. It's being in relationship with God. But the not yet that we're waiting for is for Jesus to return when there'll be a new heavens and earth and we can be in his presence forever. And all because of Jesus and his work, we can have a firm foundation, which is our hope. It's, it's, it's our trust through, through the uncertainties in life. And there are many of those. Am I right, church? Like on, on the daily. And some here may be experiencing or having a hard time trusting God. And that is okay. We all have doubts at times. But I have a story in my life which may help give some encouragement. So there's only a few of you that know this, but um, in October, my dad passed away. Uh, he passed away uh, due to cancer, but... Um, and, I, and I know Wes and Micah also experienced this around the same time, but um, if it wasn't for, uh, for Jesus and my uh, relationship with him as, as my anchor, as my rock, I would be a wreck. And that was the only thing that got me through, so I hope that encourages you. And I, I really see how he remains faithful to me today, right? Like, I'm getting married in three, three weeks, so that's God's faithfulness. Thanks. Also in his provision for giving me a place to stay while I'm here with Judy and Ernie, or even with finances, so. This is the God we serve, right? He's not, he, he says these things, but my life can confirm it. And I'm sure many of you have stories that you could share, and we could spend hours reflecting and sharing. So 
I really want that to be the hope for, for you guys here. And I find when I'm wrestling with, like, can I trust God? I just reflect and look back. Oh, soon all of the blessings outweigh what's wrong, right? 20 to 1 most times, if not more. But I can continue to trust in God because of his faithfulness to me and my family. And, and honestly, it's, it's okay to doubt. We, we are human. Even Adam fell in the garden because he didn't trust God. But I encourage you to look back, whether it's in your life or when you're reading scripture, but especially as we continue on in Hebrews, uh, of God and his trustworthiness and his word as our high priest. And, and that is that anchor. That's our hope. And we all can go all in and stake our lives on this promise, the promise of salvation, because it's the only true, true hope we have in life. It's, it's the only truth that is out there with all these truths going around, all these different religions. Christianity is the only way. Jesus is the only way. And that's, that's the hope we have. So to conclude, I want us to remember that God is trustworthy because he fulfills his promises. He has perfect character in his nature. And because he sent Jesus on our behalf. So let us close in prayer. Worship team, you can come up. Dear Jesus, we, we thank you for your, your glorious attributes. There's so many that we can't count. So we thank, we thank you for your, your faithfulness and how you remain um, true and, and you are sovereign. You are the Lord of history, God. And this is that hope that we can cling to, the anchor that helps us persevere in life. When, when life is un, uneasy, when life is uncertain, this is... This is the truth that really keeps us going. And, and, and yeah, I, I thank you for everyone here and how you have manifest your presence here today, God. And we, we worship you, we love you, and we praise you. And all God's people said,